That has nothing to do with my message. I just wanted to do that. All right, anyway. Uh, today, uh, if you're here for the first time, we are in the middle of a series. It's called Fight Club, and it is actually all about relationships. You're going to have an awesome, amazing time. So the reality of relationships is you can do two things with relationships. You can either fight in your relationship or you can fight for your relationship. So I say that with the idea that this week I actually learned a boxing term. And that boxing term was called the standing eight count. And what the standing eight count is, is where the ref stops the fight and he checks on the fighter and he does it for the protection of the fighter. And so that's what we're gonna talk about today. And none of that was more evident in my life than on my wedding day. Now I say this with the idea that if you could have scripted a worst day possible, I don't think you could have done it because I lived it. What am I talking about? Well, strike one, uh, I walked into the church, and by the way, we just celebrated 20 years of marriage. Uh, and a guy by the name of Dennis Gingrich performed the ceremony all those 20 years ago, and he shared something with me that day that has stuck with me for pretty much forever. Now, I'll get to that in a second, but I want to talk about what happened that day. So I walked in, uh, I, uh, I, I, all of a sudden, Linda ran up to me, and she said, don't panic but your wife's wedding dress got closed. It got completely sewn shut. Can you imagine that, ladies? Your big day, and for no particular reason, the wedding person decides, let's just go ahead and close these sleeves so you can't get into them. Strike number one. As I'm standing there hearing that, simultaneously, in comes my groomsman, who was 15 years old at the time, walks up to me, and I look at him. He's got no bow tie on. I said, hey, man, you know, where's your bow tie? He goes, oh, these don't come with bow ties. I was like, you look like a bad prom guy. Like, what is going on here? That was strike number two, because I said, you have to have a bow tie. You're going to look weird being the only guy without a bow tie at my wedding party. I obviously don't have a bow tie either. Strike three. I had forgotten my bow tie. He forgot his bow tie. For some reason, the best man had a bow tie. This is looking really bizarre. Strike four was, we got married in June. And you know how hot it is outside. Well, the church we got married in here locally, which will remain nameless, that church decided to not tell us that the air conditioner was broke. Can you imagine on June 6th how hot it is? So we're just trying to turn the air conditioner down. We keep trying to turn it down. It's just hotter and hotter and hotter and hotter. And so I say that with the idea is that it didn't really matter. You know, the, the dress got fixed. We found a bow tie. Everything went on. And I'm standing there looking at my bride-to-be. We're, we're, we're facing each other. It's that moment. My heart is beating. It's just, I'm, I'm just full of emotion. And all I can see is her. And all of a sudden, I hear thud. And the entire crowd goes, <gasps> in fact, let's all do that right now. <gasps> yeah, can you imagine that? And I can't figure out what's happening. I'm looking around, and Pastor Dennis <laughs> leans over. I'll never forget this. He leans over. He goes, oh, the ring bearer just passed out. Just keep going. <laughs> He'll be fine. That's great. <laughs> Those words stuck with me because we're not done. That was strike four. Strike five was, because it was so hot in there at, at the time, the two candles that had been set aside as our love and our, the idea that we're coming together and we're going to light this unity candle together. And, and again, I'm you know, refocused on her and my heart is beating and I'm, I'm reciting my vows. And, and Pastor Dennis, he goes, well, now's the time where we're going to light the unity candle. And this is symbolic of two becoming one flesh. And so he goes, let's go ahead and do that. And so we both go over, we pick up the candle. Now, I forgot to tell you that what had happened was because it had been burning all that time, and it was pretty much 1,000 degrees in the building, all the wax had liquefied. 
So if you can imagine about 3,000 gallons of liquid wax that we're now holding, and we're proceeding to light the unity candle, which basically just went boosh, and it covered the whole candle. Put the whole thing out. Strike five. Now, I'm, I'm panicking. It's not like I've ever done this before. I'm looking at her like, what do we do? She's like, I don't know. What do we do? And at that moment, Pastor Dennis ran off the stage. And all I could think was, we're doing so bad, the pastor just quit. I didn't know where he was. And, and, and I'll be honest, I'll bet you if I ever watch the video again, it probably was about three seconds. But in my mind, this lasted a thousand years because I'm panicking because the one thing that's supposed to represent our love coming together is now covered in a whole ball of wax. And I promise you, I don't know how he did it, but I, I think he found a flamethrower backstage because out of nowhere, I'll never forget it, he just goes whoosh and the whole thing fired, like so the fire of the Lord shot out of that thing. And the candle went up like a, like, a, like a Roman candle, and he looked over and he goes, just keep going. <laughs> Sometimes when stuff happens in our relationship, all we can do is just that. We, all we can do is just keep going. And so I carried that into my new marriage, and a couple years in, and I had been traveling, but I was at home, and we were in our first house. And i never forget, I woke up, I walked into the kitchen, it was early in the morning. I was expecting you know, to smell bacon and eggs. Instead of bacon and eggs, it was like the pig had just actually died already and that the eggs were already dead. And I could not figure out where the stench was coming from. So I'm sniffing around. like I'm looking everywhere. I cannot figure out what's going on. I'm thinking maybe an animal died. Maybe there's a dead manatee in the wall when we bought the house. I don't know what's happening. All that to be said, my wife walks in. She smells it. And we can't figure out what it is. So that night, we opened up all the windows. We aired out the house thinking that'll get rid of the stench. We wake up on day two. It's not only still there, it's now permeated the whole house. It has grown legs and walked down the hallway to where we are. And I smelt it the minute I woke up. So by day two, we're going around and we're trying to identify what this stench is. We're trying to get rid of it, but we can't get rid of it. Day three. On day three, it had just gotten to the point where I didn't want to live there anymore. And instead of us kind of dealing with the problem, what happened? We start fighting with each other. We start arguing with each other. We started basically blame shifting each other instead of dealing with the problem. And often this is what happens in relationships. Rather than identifying the problem, getting the problem out of the way, we either get used to it or we start to fight in our relationship. By day four, I think we were pretty much not talking to each other anymore. And I'll never forget walking into that kitchen, same place where I smelled in the first place. And I remember stopping for just one second. And when I stopped, what I did is the same thing that you would do in a boxing match. I gave myself a standing eight count. What I did was I stopped the fight. I stopped the fight. I stopped the fight with the idea that I needed to not only protect my relationship, I needed to protect myself, and I needed to identify the problem. Because the problem was, a few days prior, I had microwave chicken in the microwave. So if you can imagine nuking your chicken that was frozen for about a minute and then just leaving it, <laughs> just leaving it alone. Now, I've tried to review this story with my wife because she definitely remembers it. And we cannot remember who exactly was to blame for it. But I'll tell you what we both did is we found the problem and we got rid of it. Because I took a standing eight count at that moment. What that did is that stopped the fighting. What that did was help me identify the problem. And on top of that, it protected my relationship. And so I say that with the idea that that's what we're going to talk about today. 
And I always want my messages to work on three levels. One, personal. You just heard a very personal story of my life. Two, biblical. God's word has answers for us. And three, practical. It's enough to know our truth, but it's much more to be able to walk out that truth. And so I say that with the idea that today, if you're here and you're in a relationship that's been a marriage relationship, whether it's two days or 20 years, this is going to speak directly to you. If you're here today, you're like, well, I just started dating or I'm back in a relationship, but I'm not quite married yet. How does this apply to me? Trust me, this is great practice. Now, you may be going, well, I'm not in a relationship, or I just got out of divorce, or I'm single, and I don't want to find anybody right now. Well, I'll tell you what, this, rela- this, this will actually speak to the idea that men and women are different. It will speak to the idea that we have to learn how to relate to each other biblically and scripturally, and that God has truths for us that will change our lives. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, I come before you right now. Lord, my voice is your voice. God, I am desperate for you. Would you please move me out of the way? Help us to understand who you are, what you are, and what you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, God's word does have truth, and we're going to actually just camp it on literally one scripture. Because it's so amazing that you can take one scripture and you can build an entire message on it because there can be so much truth in one scripture. And so I say this with the idea that we're going to dig right in. That scripture is Ephesians 5.33. It says this. You can follow along in your app. You can look in your scripture. It will also be up here. It says this. Each one of you must love his wife as he loves himself. And the wife must respect her husband. Let me read that one more time. However, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself. And the wife must respect her husband. And so before we go even further with that, I think it's important that we kind of understand each other a little bit better. And so here's what I wanted to do. We're different, amen? We're different in a way that sometimes can cause problem or friction, but when it comes together to the glory of God, it's an amazing thing. So I thought I'd just go ahead and stop, give you a little example of what I'm talking about. One guy lines up at Edison Mall to shop for one pair of pants. One woman lines up at Edison Mall to shop for a pair of pants. This kind of plays out a little bit differently. In fact, I made a little diagram to kind of show you what I'm talking about right here. There we go. <laughs> Buying clothes in a shopping mall. <laughs> so uh, the guy, he lines up. He's going in there. I think he stopped right there. That's where the Cinnabon is. It's right in the middle. It's quite delightful. He had to fuel up. And then uh, he makes a quick left turn. He's like, oh, there's the pants I wanted. 23 minutes approximately, $37 well spent. The woman, on the other hand, well, she's got a few other places to go. She takes her time. Um, and I don't want to ever say that this is exactly how everybody is. I'm speaking in generalities, okay? So before you get offended and mad at me, talk to Pastor Corey. I mean, before you get mad, just understand, I'm speaking in generalities. But I showed that diagram for a reason. And if you want to go ahead, throw it, just throw it up there one more time. The reality of what this diagram represents is that men, we're hunters. That's what we are. We want the pair of pants, we find the pair of pants. We put on some war paint, we get ready, we're going in, we're going to get those pants. You will not stop us from getting our pants. She is more like a gatherer. She, that's the way she operates. And so this is the reason why the Lord has provided those chairs and JCPenney's right next to the dressing room. Okay? <laughs> the guys are clapping. <laughs> Saved a few marriages. I know. I know. Uh, but I say that with the idea is that we're just different. Men are hunters. Women are gatherers. It's not a bad thing. It's just that's the way God created us. On top of that, the way our brains work. It's just different. I'll give you a little bit of an illustration. 
that was given to me that really helped me understand. Uh, ladies, understand our brains are a lot like these waffles right here, okay? <laughs> so if you look at a waffle, look, it's got all these little compartments. Like my brain would probably be like, there's my Xbox, there's my cat, there's my dog, there's my wife, oh, there's my keys. You know, like I compartmentalize things. That's the way my brain works. I'm very singularly focused, and that's the way I go after it. Women's brains, a little bit different. Go ahead and throw that up there. A little more interconnected. <laughs> now, if men are like waffles and women are like spaghetti, it helps us as men to understand that everything about her brain is interconnected. This is what makes her so great at multitasking. It's the way God created her. And so if everything is interconnected, this was never more evident to me than when I came home as a new, newlywed husband and I walked in and my wife, <laughs> my wife is just attacking the laundry. Like she is very angrily, physically attacking the laundry. She's like, ah, I'm like, what did the pantyhose do to you? She goes, you don't know what they said to me today. I'm like, the pantyhose? Like, what, what do you mean? She goes, no, at work today, this happened, and she said that, and that really bothers me. And I'm like, yeah, but you're beating up the socks, and, and I don't understand. But I realize everything is interconnected in her brain. And fellas, we have to understand that, that while we're maybe sometimes we can compartmentalize, everything about her affects her. Everything about that is connected, and we have to have understanding of each other. And so to give you one more example of the way that men and women are different, I'm going to bring out my homeboy right now. Give it up for Scott. Scott's in the house. Thank you. <laughs> Ladies, I want to just give you an example of how we men tend to relate. We tend to relate to each other from a side-to-side -side perspective. If you look at it, it's almost like two guys hunting. Like, that's literally, we're hunters in nature. So we could be sitting there all day long, right there on the Xbox, and I know it might drive you crazy, but this is kind of how we get down. Six hours, just killing things, just blowing stuff up, <laughs> just watching it explode. Not really saying anything to each other except like, ugh, ugh. <laughs> This gets deep, I know. And about at the end of the eight hours, we just look at each other like, yeah, good game, man, all right. <laughs> that's the way we connect with each other. We connect with each other. Side to side, women tend to connect to each other face to face. So I can never imagine be like, hey, I'm already uncomfortable doing this. <laughs> We're just different. But it's good that we understand our differences. It's good that we understand how we communicate. It's good that we understand and appreciate each other for the way you are. Two women will sit down at a lunch and it generally tends to be face to face. Men tend to sit side by side. Now, when I was 12 years old, I didn't understand any of this. I walked up to a group of girls. I looked at them. They looked at me. We talked for two seconds. Then all of a sudden, they go, hey, ladies, let's all go to the bathroom at the same time. I'm like, where are they going? Because <laughs> never once in a staff meeting has I ever looked at Pastor Corey and go, man, that LeBron game was awesome last night, right? Yeah, let's go to the bathroom and talk about it. You want to do that? <laughs> Not going to happen. We're different, but that's okay. The differences are a wonderful thing, and there's something to be appreciated, something to be celebrated. It's a wonderful, wonderful thing. But let's go back to that scripture. The scripture says, however, each one of you must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. We as men, ladies, we operate on the principles of respect. Respect is the ultimate way that we feel loved. When you give us respect, and when I say respect, I mean the fact that you give us admiration or the fact that you honor us. Those are the things that speak to the heart of a man. If you don't believe what I'm talking about, you ask any guy that's ever been an employer or any guy that's ever had leadership or had people underneath him. And if you ask him, hey, man, would you rather be fear? I'm sorry, would you rather be respected or rather be loved by your employees? He's going to choose every time to be respected. That's what speaks to our heart. 
And I say that with the idea that, well, maybe we should just go a little bit deeper with this because you're probably going, well, that, women want to be respected too. Absolutely. I mean, the Aretha Franklin song, right? R-E-S-P-E-C-T, find out what it means to me. Well, let me blow your minds for just one second to understand what this really means. Tim, I gave you a song a few days ago. Can you go ahead and play that song? I want you to listen really closely to the lyrics of this song. And it might even right now start to sound a little similar to something you've heard before. like, how dare that guy rip off Aretha Franklin? That's terrible. Well, actually, that's Otis Redding, and that song came out a couple years before the Aretha Franklin song, and do you know why? Because he wrote the Aretha Franklin song. And I say that with the idea is that if the biggest anthem of female respect was actually written by a man, it would show you how much this means to us. Now, I say this with the idea that there sometimes is a crazy cycle that we get caught up in, but we can break that cycle. But before I even dive into the crazy cycle, what I actually want to do is this. I want to read to you guys a scripture. It's 1 Peter 3, 7. It says this, Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you for the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. Now, I just want to stop this message for two seconds and talk about something. Because as a young believer, I kind of grew up in sort of a liberal, kind of artsy, very feminist kind of home. And I was struggling with the scripture. I was struggling with what, the God, what God's word said because so often I kind of felt like the church could be a little patriarchal, a little too male-driven, and that women kind of get pushed to the side. And when I read this, where it says the weaker partner, it just reinforced everything I already felt until someone stopped me. He said, guess what? So often we miss what scripture says because we don't know the context. And so what I'm trying to talk about, he goes, women are very similar to silk. Men are very similar to denim. They're two different fabrics with two different purposes. But if anything, silk is that much more valuable. Ladies, as a church, we want to tell you, you are very valuable. We want to tell you that we affirm who you are. That scripture never teaches in any point that women are inferior, but it just teaches that we have two different types of strengths. That what we actually have is the ability to use those strengths to the glory of God. And so I want to stop and say, ladies, you have a unique strength, a unique gift, and a unique quality about you, who you are. And I love being in a church that, has the, that literally affirms women's ability to lead just as much as a man. Can we give it up for the ladies for just one second? But we thrive on respect. And so what I want to do is I want to show you a clip from the movie Rocky that is all about that. This clip right here shows a man's desire to be respected. Check this out. I'm saying it, Adrian. I'm saying this. I'm saying this. When that kid was in the ring, you know what I was doing? I was winning. When he was winning, I was winning. You were winning? Yeah, it was. It was like it was my last chance at getting some respect for us. Do you know Come that? Come on, I respect you. It's gone. You can't respect me. Yes, I respect I don't you. No, you can't do it. I I'm telling you. All those beatings you took in the ring. I tucked him with you. I know how you feel. I know when somebody like Tommy comes along, you feel alive. But he's not you. He doesn't have your heart. All those fighters you beat, you beat them with heart, not muscle. That's what Mickey knew. That's why you and Mickey were special. But Mickey's dead. If there's something you want to pass on, pass it on to your son. For God's sakes. 
Your son is lost. He needs you. I know Tommy makes you feel great. He makes you feel like you're winning again. But you're losing us. Rocky, you're losing your family. I'm sorry. You know, it was always you and me. It was always you and me. What does he say over and over? You don't respect me. What does he say? I can't respect myself. No one respects me. He says that over and over and over. And she responds by saying, because you're acting like this, you're losing your family. But what does she also say? I do respect you. And there's a thing called the crazy cycle, and it's taken from a book where I took a lot of these principles. It's called love and respect. And this crazy cycle kind of works like this, that without love, she reacts without respect. Without respect, he reacts without love, and so on and so on. And some of us today, when we evaluate our own relationships, when we evaluate our marriage, we have to stop and go, is this the cycle I'm caught in? Is this the situation that's going round and round and round and round? Because God can break it. God can restore it. God can do amazing things with broken people. But we have to stop and go, maybe I need a standing eight count. As we move on to that scripture, right back again, we have to understand that women operate on the principle of love. That verse says, however, each one of you must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Just like respect fills our tanks, love is what fills a woman's tank. Guys, we need to respect women, and to be honest, we've dropped the ball on that sometimes. But ultimately, what a woman needs is love. Now, I say this with the idea that just yesterday, I painted a chair. I know you're like, well, that's a big deal. Well, it wasn't just any chair. It was a chair that my wife found and it's for her job, she's a teacher, and so she found this old chair, and it was kind of busted up, and I do graffiti art on the side, and, and she's like, it would really mean a lot to me if you would kind of restore this chair, and all the things that she wanted me to put on the chair, and I began to, I, I worked on this chair all day long, in the sweltering heat, in our garage, pouring my heart into it. Now, never once did I stop and go, hey, babe, I'm gonna, write you, I'm gonna bring you a card that says I really respect you. No, that doesn't speak to her. What speaks to her was that I took the time to give an act of service. And that's actually what is talked about in the book, The Five Love Languages, how that you can speak that other person's love language and how what I was doing right then, that act of service, meant so much to her. I was speaking to her the language that she needed to hear. And that's what women need to hear. They need to basically understand that just like respect fills our tank, love fills a woman's tank. Now, this last clip I wanna play for you guys, as I was digging through my message and I was trying to figure out what am I gonna to use to kind of illustrate it, I didn't know too much about the first Rocky. I was a little too young when it came out. But as I began to rewatch the, I realized that the story of Rocky isn't necessarily a story about an underdog fighter, though that's the way some of us fellas might look at it. The story of Rocky is a love story. It's a love story about a man who finds a woman, and this actual woman, a lot of times she's not real thrilled with the fact he's going in the ring to get beat up. But he makes it all the way to the very end. He goes all the rounds with Apollo. And at the end of that round, they were looking for a rematch and he said, I don't need a rematch. What he actually shows is what he actually needed. And so I say that with the idea that this last clip from the very first Rocky sums up what it means to break the crazy cycle. Go ahead and run that. Ain't gonna be no rematch. Ain't gonna be no rematch. 
crying you're crying <laughs> what does she say over and over I love you how does he respond I love you she gives him the respect that he desires he won the whole thing it meant nothing if she wasn't there with him we can break this crazy cycle take a look at this right here we have the ability to give each other what the other person needs and if you look at this diagram it will show you that his love motivates her respect her respect motivates his love and we break the crazy cycle. What does she say over and over? I love you. I love you. He needed her. We need each other. And the thing about the standing eight count in boxing, what does it do? It stops the fight. It protects the fighter. It allows them to evaluate what's going on in the ring right there. You have a choice today. Will you fight in your relationship? Or will you fight for your relationship? I want to end with three simple questions because we all need to do this daily. Every day, if you're in a relationship, you need to stop right there. Have your own standing end count and evaluate these three questions. Am I, could I, should I? Am I, could I, should I? Am I being disrespectful? Am I being unloving? Could I be more respectful? Could I be more loving? Should I apologize? Should I repent? If you don't know what repent means, it means to have a total change in the way you're thinking. Am I, could I, should I? Whatever relationship you're in today, it's one thing for me to talk about God's truth, but it's another thing for you to apply it. I've talked to you for about 30 minutes now, but I think we could take 30 seconds to evaluate where is our relationship at? And we're gonna do that. We're gonna take an actual standing eight count. Take 30 seconds to ask yourself, am I, could I, should I? <laughs> 